Welcome to the Rock the Bedroom podcast, where we talk about sex and intimacy. Hi, I'm Lee Jagger, and as a sexologist, I've helped thousands of women spice things up in the bedroom, even if intercourse is off the table. And this is the first non-sex sex podcast that shows women how to be more confident in the bedroom, create passion and playfulness in their relationship, and have the best sex of their lives. Just a heads up, I will not be censoring my guests' language, so you may hear the occasional F-bomb. Get ready for a juicy conversation as we explore how to rock the bedroom. Welcome, welcome. Today we are going to be talking about a topic that has literally changed my relationship with my own sexuality in a profound and empowering way. Uh, I cannot wait to share this with you, my lovely listeners. I have two guests joining me today. Jaya is a sexologist and a wellness, a sexual wellness coach for over 30 years. She's immersed herself in the study of sexual pleasure, and she's developed her signature erotic blueprints, which we're going to dive into at depth today. Uh, She's been featured in Sex, Love, and Goop. She's an author uh, of Your Blueprint for Pleasure. And she's just a wealth of knowledge in the whole realm of sexuality. I also have with me, bonus, Ian (laughs) Ferguson. Uh, He's a lifelong student of human potential, a best-selling author. He's co-founded the Blueprint Breakthrough, which is a company that educates people to Jaya's erotic blueprints uh, framework and you two are like this dynamic duo so I'm so happy that I get to have you both on the show today (laughs) (laughs) wonder fins powers activate (laughs) (laughs) so how would you describe what you two do to any listeners who are not familiar with you I think that when it comes to describing what we do, it's a really interesting, we always are like, well, what is it that we we really do? And our front door says in big red neon letters, sex, 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 <laughs> how to have better sex and orgasms and do all those awesome things. But what's behind that door is a really deeper journey into who we are and right. healing and consciousness and really peeling back these layers of conditioning and programming so that we can live our best lives and live lives in pleasure. And ultimately it comes down to unconditional love, unconditional love for ourselves so that when we get it, other people in our lives get it. And then it uh, spreads like a love virus. I mean, we're really up to world peace because we love our, we all love ourselves. We're just big love people. So (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I I've said that before where I'm like, I'm after world peace, one happy couple at a time. And um, so I'm so glad that you just said that because it it really, I mean, if everyone really took care of themselves and took care of their partner, isn't that the start of world peace, really? Like, Mm -hmm. well, that's not, that's not pie in the sky thing. (laughs) We all want the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Fighting over what we conceive of as limited resource, but there's no limit to the resource. It's simply- how do we use it collectively? And, you know, if we're taking that into sex and sexuality, 
that resources connection, that resources care, compassion, understanding, mm -hmm. and curiosity, being able and willing to get into the mind and heart of the person you're with, whether that's your lover, lovers, family members, and um, in the area of sexuality, there's been so much um, ignorance due to censorship, due to closing down the conversation, due to fear of what it all means, which just adds to the confusion and adds to the separation. So that's also part of the mission is diving into something that is such a fulcrum issue because pretty much everybody's having sex or will have sex or wants to be having sex. And if this is a primary drive for humankind, why? <laughs> why in the world is it such a buried conversation full of shame, mm -hmm. guilt, um, you know, feeling wrong, broken. So it's dismantling that and bringing that um, hidden into the into the light. And what's the consequence? What's the cost of having it so hidden? Shame, you know, separation, Ian mentioned. But also, I think we push down this sexual energy. We push down our sexual drive and desire. And that comes out sideways. And then it becomes a power play or it becomes unhealthy. It becomes a toxic thing because we've we've hidden it or made or suppressed it or made it shameful. And, you know, coming back to the world peace piece, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of liberation for humankind within this realm. You know, they say that song I keep running through my head as we're talking that let peace begin with me song. Um, and, and so, you know, it begins with me and then it goes to my relationships and my family and then it goes to the world and, for me, pleasure is that route, is that road. When I'm in pleasure, I'm fueled so that I can give in a very different way in the world. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And that leads me to, um, you know, when Ian, you were talking about shame and all that, the word sex has certain connotations for people. When people think of the word sex, they think of intercourse and that's it. Whereas- mm -hmm sex is an umbrella. I wonder if we can unpack that a little bit, like what, what sex really encompasses. Yeah. There's a couple of bullets the act of intercourse. Sure. There's a couple like right off the top of my head bullets in terms of dismantling this idea of sex, um, as a, as a thing as intercourse. So, um, we were speaking with Ian Kerner a couple of months ago and author of she comes first. For yeah. those of you. Yes. Love that. No, well, Ian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, he was talking explicitly about outer course and the, just this concept of intercourse, outer course. And it's even a very gendered thing to be thinking of sex as intercourse because in same-sex couples, the actual penetrative sex is somewhere around with male, male to male, somewhere around 20% of the activity that they engage in. So what they're engaging in with intimacy is kissing, hugging, loving, you know, um, oral sex, all sorts of other um, ways of diving into this so, mm -hmm. to pleasure. So just it's, and one of the things that we often do at our live workshops is, is dismantle this thing of like, well, what is sex? What is orgasm? What is pleasure? How many orgasms can your body have? And um, there's the difference a, between climax and orgasm, right? Mm -hmm. um, extending pleasure. And instead of going for, you know, it's, it's very sexual blueprinting. We'll talk about the erotic blueprints, but it's a very sexual blueprinting to think intercourse, you know, let's fuck, let's have sex, let's have our orgasm. And then everybody wins. And I really like to expand the definition of sex 
sex is our fundamental aliveness. Sex isn't just an act that you do. Sex and our sexuality and our sexualness is something so much bigger. And to me, and this is my blueprint speaking a little bit, which <laughs> we're alluding to, but right. to me, sex, sex is a is a thing that we have relationship with that can lead us into our own self-realization. Sex is a tool for our own self-realization as a human being in, a, in this body that is so powerful, but the majority of us don't know how to use the tool or are even aware that that tool can be so powerful and so we're only touching the tip of the iceberg of what sex actually is by just thinking about, oh, I can have better orgasms. And again, nothing wrong with having better orgasms because that's part of it. And orgasm is, is part of leading you there, wherever there, there is for you. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm talking a little esoterically, but I, I really think that sex is a recreational tool, not a recreational thing. Mm. And yes, we can use it recreationally for fun and play, but there's there's just so much more to it that we're missing. Mm. And what, you know, we didn't call them the sexual blueprints or Jaya didn't call them the sexual blueprints. <laughs> she called them the erotic blueprints. Eroticism is our aliveness. And so this thing about, well, what is this, the art of eroticism within us and this, pleasure and eroticism and alive. I often say, I don't teach sex. I teach aliveness. I mm. teach us how to be more alive in our experience of life. Cause we, we need to have lives worth living. Right. And isn't that what we're all after is just feeling more alive in our relationships. Like if someone is coming to me or to you or some other sex expert to, to fix their relationship or something's wrong in the bedroom and they're drifting apart, they want to feel alive. They don't want just better sex. They want the better sex to be able to feel like a kid again. Yeah. Right. So yeah, you're really onto something there. Okay. So we've been alluding to this. Let's dive into the, the erotic blueprints. There's five different yes. categories, right? And, mm -hmm. and these, as far as I understand them, and please elaborate on, on my limited definition, is that they help people to understand what turns them on. In yeah. simply put, is that correct? Sure. Okay. Um, so a little bit of context, because one of the things that can happen with the blueprints is people hear something, they relate to that and like, oh, that's me. And there's a positive to that. Now you understand your fastest path, your easiest access, access to pleasure. But sometimes in defining, people will think, oh, I'm that, I'm not that other thing. And our belief is that we are a cosmology, you know, where, I, where pretty much you have a mix of all of these blueprint types in you, your primary blueprint is the one that you are the most resourced in, the one that you have the fastest path to pleasure, easiest access with. It might be the one that you are the best lover in because it's your language. It's your low, it's your erotic language. So of right. course you can be most versed in it. And as a language for couples, it's a communication tool to help you go, okay, I understand now who my partner is. I understand who I am. And so therefore I can now communicate better about how to get my needs met because I now have that understanding. So the way that I, I really see the blueprints is this way of honoring each other mm -hmm. in our erotic expression. It's the way that you are erotically wired in this moment based upon your conditioning and programming. Because I actually think that like Ian was saying, we're full spectrum, we're actually all of this, but this, it tells you where you're primary, but where you've also cut pieces of yourself off. Mm. 
Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, this is so good. Okay. And communicate. I mean, th- you mentioned that this is a form of communication and I fully believe that communication is like the number one ingredient, the foundation of a great relationship mm-hmm. with yourself, with your partner is mm-hmm good communicate and honest communication. Right. Sure. right. That's the key. Yeah. And are you honest yeah. even with yourself? Are you conscious of the material that's even subconsciously there that's playing, you know, a role in whatever's going on with you and your partner? I call them like the loops or the game that you're playing. Sometimes we're not even conscious we're doing it. And that's where a coach or, you know, somebody to help us kind of see like, oh, wow, here's the game I've been playing. Do I want to keep playing? Do I want to keep doing that? <laughs> you know, and communication can right. be a way, a way for us to to acknowledge that and have that first step of acknowledgement and awareness that what we've been doing when, you know, we can be honest when that content comes to the surface. We're we're doing some dismantling of myths here. Um, We're dismantling the myth of sex. And one of the things that the blueprints are very good at doing when you understand how to work with them is dismantling what we think of as a myth of sexual incompatibility. So it's the kind of thing of, if you look at these through the lens of being a language, let's say I spoke German and Jaya speaks French and we meet and we are just like the chemistry is there and we've got a few words and we're like, oh, you're interested in that music or like there's, there's some shared desire and love. But we don't speak the same language. We don't speak the same language. Are we going to say, she speaks French. It's never going to work. There's no way I can ever speak that. No, if I'm totally into her, (laughs) I'm going to try and figure out how to speak French and she's going to try and figure out how to speak German because we're willing. Sprechen Sie Deutsch? Sprechen Sie Deutsch? Sprechen Sprechen Sie Deutsch? Yeah, yeah. Um, So it is. Voulez-vous coucher avec moi? <laughs> Sorry, I just had to throw that in. <laughs> uh, merci, merci. Um, so we uh, we have the opportunity to first look at the lens of our relationship. Are we willing? So sexual incompatibility, yes, there are things like limerence. Yes, there are things like biochemistry, pheromones, things that add to the attraction. But if you really are will- want to be in this relationship, meeting your partner, honoring, as Jaya was saying, are you willing to, to learn it, to, to learn it, to learn their language, to discover and get in the places that may be uncomfortable for you to be able to meet each other in this Because space? I think another thing that we need to unravel is, oh, I don't have that. And in sex, it's a learnable skill. It's not like it's something that like, we all just know how to do. Yeah. We know how to fuck or procreate, oh. you know, but like the art of eroticism is something that I think is really unique to the human experience. And so are you willing to become an erotic artist? And if you are, then you're going to have a much different relationship with your partner. It really comes down to willingness more than more than anything, because you can learn the skill. Yeah. I love saying sex is natural, but making love is an art. Mm. So love yes, it. we can fuck like bunnies. Is that how you want to do it? Maybe. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> right. Right. But when when one person is wanting to do that and the other person is not, okay, now there's some friction. Right. So, right. so, so here we go. We can, let's dive in. Yeah, yeah. let's dive in. <laughs> the five blueprints. The five blueprints. We've teased them enough. We've teased them enough. Uh, okay. Yeah. Button, this, button and why these are important and how they can be effective for you. <laughs> so there are, as mentioned, five blueprints. They each have 
they they have superpowers and they have shadows. So we'll talk a little bit about both the superpowers and the shadows with right. the energetic blueprint type. Um, I'm actually going to just name all five first so people can okay. know the territory where we're headed. There's the energetic blueprint, sensual, sexual, kinky, and shapeshifter. So the energetic, they love anticipation, space, tease, that energy before the kiss happens, the, the, longing. the longing that 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 exists. You're going to look at your lips and just... Mm. And sometimes, <laughs> you know, sometimes when you make that kiss, that's much less of a turn on than the actual tension that was there. Yeah, so if you lose turn on when that collapses, then you might be an energetic because that all of the turn on is in the space before mm -hmm. and also in certain very light, slow touches that... that are are in that energetic field. And I think that sometimes this can feel very esoteric for people to hear us talk about the energetic. The right. energetic is esoteric. It is mystical. That it involves fields of vibration and sensory experience that a lot of us can't see mm -hmm. or haven't had an experience of. But we can feel the vibration of a speaker. You know, we can feel there's all kinds of things moving through the air all the time that we you can't can, see. You can feel the heat. Without touching your body, you can feel the heat. Right. That is one aspect of the energetic field. And yet that field goes 20 feet off of our body. Yeah. So people's fields will be different. And some, sometimes people are like, you stand 20 feet away. And they're like, oh my gosh, I can feel you. And they're like, orgasmic. <laughs> and that seems so strange to so many people. But I think when energetics hear us talk, they're like, oh, I'm not weird. Mm -hmm. I'm not broken. Like mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with me and my sexuality because I actually feel all of the erotic, not in what is the standard definition of sex mm -hmm. again. Right. Um, right. Not like, so not involving touch necessarily. And that's a superpower so, for the energetic. They can have orgasms without touch. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, so uh, go ahead. I'm, I'm curious. So are there different kinds of orgasms? Because when you think of an orgasm, when I think of an orgasm, I'm thinking of literal stimulation g-spot stimulation like physical touch so how how does an energetic type have an orgasm another and myth does it feel different <laughs> <laughs> uh, so orgasm jai was mentioning like there earlier that there are dozens if not hundreds of different types of orgasm so mm -hmm. if we have to expand we have to just kind of like maybe for some people put on that hat of uh, suspension of disbelief mm -hmm. so there is clitoral, there is uh, genital, there is, you know, the um, explosive, there's the, the G-spot. Ejaculatory. Yeah. yeah, and so I think here, it's important to distinguish between a climax and an orgasm. Mm. So climax, okay, yeah. I often think of as like the, the, you know how when you have to sneeze really bad and then you're like, and it like comes out, like it's a very intense, very quick, feels like a very physical experience when you have that sneeze. And so the climax is like the genital sneeze which can feel really, really great. And that can be the kind of orgasm that happens from a lot of direct clitoral stimulation that builds up tension, 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 and then release that happens. And there's a physiological response that happens when that climax occurs. Now, orgasm can look many different ways. I, I did orgasmic childbirth when I was, uh, I studied with a Russian birth shaman to learn how to do this orgasmic childbirth thing, um, passing a baby through my body and <laughs> orgasm. So what does that look like? You know, um, I and wish I signed up for that. 
<laughs> so I don't think I had an orgasmic childbirth <laughs> situation. <laughs> and that was amazing. That's a whole other story. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but but this idea that, and for me, I feel even though I'm not being touched, all the same things as if I'm having that clitoral orgasm. So I have like those shivers that move through my spine and my pelvic floor is pulsing as the blood is moving, as those muscles are getting engaged in that orgasmic experience. All of that is happening for me. And I know that they've done MRI studies. They, they have put people in MRI machines having energetic orgasms and the same parts of the brain are firing. So that is amazing to me that it, it really is. There's there's a, a physical response, even though there isn't physical touch. And then I want to go one step further, which is your state of consciousness. So there's climax, there's orgasm, and then there's an orgasmic state. And this is where you start to live in orgasm. You start to live in pleasure and you're in a state where everything is orgasmic. It doesn't matter uh, you know, the wind blushes you the right way. And you're like, wow, you know, orgasms, food, orgasmic, everything becomes orgasmic. Um, and that has been one of my just fun experiments is what is erotically possible. Can I make anything orgasmic, even the hardest things that my body may be going through, including like one time I even did throwing, I hate throwing up. And I was like, can I make this orgasmic? Can I really like do that? And I did. And I was like, okay, I, after that, I can make anything orgasmic. Um, you do dentist chair work. Dent I've done dental work without orgasmic. pain medication, you know, like just transmuting it into an orgasmic sensation. And so how, how do you do that? Like, are you physically engaging your pelvic floor to bring sensation to that area? Like how, how do you, I'm stuck on the how yeah. you, you make um, vomiting orgasmic. <laughs> One of the tricks for me is, and again, I have a lot of energetic in my blueprint. It's high up there. And so I have capacity and, and availability. I've also spent 30 years learning how to transmute things into orgasmic energy. But the thing that works easiest and best, I think that people can understand is I will take anything that we've labeled a certain way. So let's say um, pain, for example, because I've done the dentist without uh, pain medication. And so um, to, to take pain, because it's a very intense sensation, and I start to go into the pain. Instead of like trying to avoid the pain, I go into the pain and I get really curious. Okay, what is this? What is this really? If I took the label of pain away and I got into the pure, raw vibrational frequency of what this is, what would that look like? And then I go into it. Maybe it's different qualities now. Now it starts to be, oh, it's intensity. It's red. It's... um high pitched or so, you know, like, like I can start to kind of break down. What is this thing? Okay. Now let's go even deeper. What's the raw energy of all of that? Oh, it's, it's just a frequency. Oh, can I, can I now start to ride that frequency? Can I start to like play with that frequency? Can I start to break that frequency? So it's not so condensed and intense into, into something more expanded and when I'm in the pure raw energy of anything, it becomes orgasmic for me. The moment I hit the pure raw, like the bottom of that sensation, it becomes orgasmic. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I feel a challenge coming on. I need to know how to do that. That's so good. Exploring all that is erotically possible. You know, I, I say sometimes I'm like this erotic Olymp athlete or astronaut, you know, like I just keep going into things like, well, 
and this comes to the iceberg too, like we've only hit the tip of the iceberg of what's possible because a lot of us really don't know how to even do these explorations. How do we, how do we become, you know, an erotic explorer and play again right. in, in these realms? I love that. And I love that you are helping people to explore this. And we're definitely going to, you know, link up in the show notes, how everyone can get a hold of you guys, because <laughs> everyone, everyone needs Ian and Jaya in their life. I'm just saying that out loud right now. Everybody Thank run, you. don't walk <laughs> to, to their website, which, which we'll get into in a minute. So I have a question, another question about energetics. So if, if a person is getting turned on by either porn or some other means of seeing other people get turned on. Is that an energetic thing? It could be. It could be. Mm -hmm. So if there's an energy that like, oh, my partner's getting really turned on. Now I start to get turned on or, oh, I'm seeing other people on turn on and now I'm starting to get turned on. That can very much be energetic because it's, it's, um, I say it's contagious. You know, if one of you is in a, in a poopy mood and you're sensitive to that, you know, you kind of start to then whoever is the strongest energy is going to pull each other. Right. And so if one of you is highly turned on, that's then going to pull you into, because it's a very strong energy turn on can be. Um, now, porn can also be one of the other blueprints because some be people are, are, it could be, depending yeah. upon the porn you're watching, I guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. right. <laughs> right. And how but, you're relating to it. And how, yeah. So how you relate to it. to it distinguishes whether it's being interpreted as any of the blueprint types. Right. Okay. Yeah, because... Like I have, um, I work with women and sometimes I hear the complaint that, you know, my husband, he has a difficult time having an orgasm with me. So then after we're done, he goes and watches for, uh, porn and takes care of himself. And she's feeling like, right. I'm not enough now. And, and right. so porn becomes this um, point of friction between a couple. So it can be, I mean, it is a tool, but sometimes it can uh, drive people apart too. Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. Get hooked yeah. Up. yeah. Again, it's like, how are you utilizing the tool? Is it in a healthful way or is it an unhealthful way? And are you wiring yourself being a somatic sexologist? I'm always looking at how are people wiring their bodies in an arousal pattern? And if you're always wiring yourself to need a certain thing over and over, the same thing over and over, it's like, great, it works. If it's working and it's like healthy for everybody, great. But if it's that kind of pattern, now you're wiring yourself for a, a negative right. pattern loop somatically, which means right. in the so, body. So then you can't have an orgasm without. Exactly. Sure. That's, that's the there are ways to wire yourself, to wean yourself out of that, of course. And so, um, you know, learning how to not need that what about like like for example with that couple i would say well then put the porn on during sex instead of isolating and having it after the sex put it on yes. during to start to wean yourself out of it so that the pattern is there during but it now you're you're with a partner and you're with your partner who's craving you you to have that kind of arousal with them right right and, and for that, that person who's not watching the porn to, to realize that, Hey, like d detach, detach the judgment or the assumption that you're not good enough because, you know, he's got the porn, right? Because you can see some women thinking, Oh, well, that's almost like having the other woman in the room with you. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I like 
where you're going with that. Like lean into it. Don't try to push it away. Just lean right. into it. Because to- the more you push it away, the more it becomes a turn on because now it's become a taboo, especially if you're one of the certain blueprints where taboo is your, right. your thing, <laughs> um, you know, and then it just, again, starts to wire a habit and a pattern as opposed to something that bridges intimacy. And even for the partner who is like, oh, well, I'm not, I'm not your primary source of turn on then, or I'm not worthy or whatever that, then that's the thing to examine is then can you instead get curious and ask, well, what about that turns you on? What, you know, it's about your partner, not about you. And the moment you're making it about you, you've now created more separation versus intimacy. Right. Right. Don't take it personally. Right. We don't, which is very hard to do. And if there's betrayal involved, you know, then that's a whole other thing because then that that's very different. You know, if you've like made an agreement not to have porn and then your partner, you find your partner watching porn, then there's a broken agreement and there's a betrayal and it can feel a lot like cheating. And that can be really hard and can, you know, can, can turn into an abusive pattern in some ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Let's get on to the second one. It's going to okay. get well, juicier as we the, go. The round out energetic. We went down a whole bunch oh, of rounds. Yeah. <laughs> yes, okay. um, All right. We're not done with energetic. Go for it. <laughs> energetic, a superpower is that ability to have uh, orgasms without touch. And they have incredible sensitivity. And that incredible sensitivity can become the shadow. So it's too much, too fast, the environment. They dissociate, they turn off. Um, and they also can get judgy of, you know, we, we started talking about porn, which is a great segue into one of the shadows, which is, uh, you're watching porn, you're base, you're gross, you're disgusting. That's gross. You know, because the, hierarchical thinking. the energetic has a hierarchical thinking that my spiritual way or my mystical way of having sex and your way of watching porn. And I see this with couples all the time. You're gross and I'm spiritual. And that then creates a lot of disconnection in relationship and um, can be a very dark shadow. I mean, I used to have that so badly. I used to think people who ate meat were, you know, lower than me and <laughs> watched television were lower than me. This was in my late teens, early twenties. And I, I definitely had a lot of, when I met Ian, he was really the first person who I I was one of those gross <laughs> meat eaters who drove a BMW. <laughs> You know, and that's so interesting too. Sometimes you meet the person who you need to t- learn the lesson, right? You fall in love with the thing that you're judging so badly. And again, this is where I think that the blueprints are about us completing parts of ourselves that we disown. So I disowned and made bad and wrong because of my hierarchical spiritual thinking. And now, you know, I had to reclaim aspects that I had disowned. And so Ian, of course, ends up being the complete opposite of me. And yet we fall in love to complete each other. <laughs> right to become such a teacher i turned him into a raw foodist for a little while <laughs> a little while and then he introduced me to sushi <laughs> oh then you're done for it yeah. raw. Raw. <laughs> i love it oh my gosh okay oh that's so good are we uh, ready for the sensual talking of sushi hmm. Yeah, I'm definitely ready for sensual because I think that's my prime. My primary is sensual. Um, and and why why I fell in love with you guys and your work is because I thought I was broken, mm. and I thought I just didn't like. I didn't. I wasn't into sex. I wasn't into intercourse. Um, 
And, and anytime I fantasized, like if I had a fantasy dream, it would always be really passionate kissing and touching. And there was never penetration ever, even as a teenager. And I just thought I was weird. And so when I came across um, the blueprints and realized, oh, sensual, that's me. It was a big permission slip. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, that it that's a you're a thing. You're it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. And and it's valid. It's not hierarchic hierarchical mm-hmm. that, that you mentioned. Like it's one's not better or worse than another one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you brought validity. So I just am eternally grateful <laughs> for oh, that that liberation. So Thank let's get you. into sensual. So if uh, if somebody had given me a screenshot of your screen right off the bat and they said what what's her primary blueprint type for those of you who are listening on audio there are fuzzy furry pillows in the background (laughs) you have an amazing adorable uh, haircut and the necklace and the the way the shirt is laid my first guess would be sensual that's so funny that you can (laughs) tell that by all this by this yeah so oh my the, gosh. The sensual loves to bring the artistry to sex. They are all about having their senses ignited, the lighting being perfect. The, the furry sound, pillows. Furry pillows, <laughs> the tag, the different textures of clothing or sheets on the bed, um, the, the the perfect music, the smells in the room. So they bring the artistry. They have the ability to have full-bodied orgasms. So again, distinguishing between ejaculation. Yeah, no genitals are required. So behind the knee, I call it crevice sex. Um, so crevice sex is where you know you get really into somebody's crevices, and you know yes. with your mouth or your hands, and um, there's a lot of orgasms to be had in all of the crevices all over the body. <laughs> so I massage love that. and energetics, like for a differentiation, energetics would love this space and this anticipation. The sensual is just going to be when like it collapses that all space. collapsing and touching and connected slow dancing romance touch yeah they're they're what we think about typically with romance right and i love that you give permission to let foreplay and i do not like that word um to be the main event because foreplay insinuates oh we're just going to warm you up this is the pre-game right. show and now you're ready for penetration Right. An event. An event. Right. And for me, I could just stay in foreplay forever. Like that. Let's make out for a half hour. <laughs> you know, that's um, the main event. And that is right. that that's- X. Like that's making love. That's that is that is the eroticism and the sexuality. So I just right. really think again the outer course. That's why I like outer course versus foreplay as a uh, terminology just because then it's like okay but we are engaged in sex mm-hmm. that isn't like we do this then we do this then we do this then we have penetration and that's the sex that's procreation that's now maybe we're procreating or we're having intercourse but it's not this the sex is the whole thing like we've been talking about right mm-hmm. and so what's the what's the shadow to so shadow is all of that beauty and all of the spatial relationship and all that can turn against you it, you get caught up in your head. The pillow's crooked. The there. Do I smell down there? I might, I might get take my too vagina long. juice on the bed. <laughs> Did I answer that phone call? Shit! I didn't get the laundry done. It's still in the. It's still in the locker. It's, it's gonna get moldy. <laughs> right. 
Oh my gosh. That's so funny because I, I have said to um, partners before, like, I need an organized space because otherwise it's yelling at me. Yes, mm -hmm. exactly. the dirty dishes are yelling at me. So I can't relax. <laughs> like, do the dishes. Okay, let's go upstairs. <laughs> you know? So okay, I get that. I totally. So, so maybe part part of foreplay. I'm putting in air quotes. Is uh, for you is washing the dishes. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> washes the dishes for you and gets the space all set up. Sets up and has rose a, petal a bath. playlist and the lighting playlist. is right. It smells yummy. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, and what. One of my, well, my biggest uh, love language is acts of service. So yeah, you kind of got the dishes for me. <laughs> and the, oh yeah, yeah. Double whammy. So good. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So are we ready for the third one? Sure. Um, I think I said sexual next. Mm -hmm. um, sexual is what we think of typically as sex. It's penetration, penetration genitals, nudity. nudity. Um, the, the a superpower for sexuals is they bring the fun to sex. It's not complicated. Then go zero to 60, get aroused, be like in the game, ready to go for it. Everybody has an orgasm. Everybody wins. So <laughs> <laughs> it's really, it's, um, and, it's the climax and, and they feel validated by being met in their sexual. So breathe Sex is like air for a sexual. Mm -hmm. They need it. They crave it without and it. And they feel loved and relaxed. So I think that one of the interesting distinctions is a sexual has sex to relax, whereas a sensual needs to relax in order to be in the mood to have sex. Exactly. Yes. And would you would you say that, uh, like I have heard, and I don't know if this is statistically accurate, that men would typically be more sexual and women would typically be more sensual or is that just a stereotype that's completely inaccurate more myth busting so <laughs> hey, um, we've, <laughs> we've had over 2.3 million people take our quiz um and in that you know there may there it's not a perfect um scientific experiment because we may attract more energetics or whatever but what we have found across the board is that men typically, or people who identify as men, typically identify, identify across the spectrum with all the blueprint types. Sexual Ooh. is a teeny bit heavier weighted than the other four. Kinky is actually very high with men, but there's a there's a good range and equanimity. It's almost equal. Almost equal all the way around. Oh, I love hearing this. It's <laughs> I think there's a lot of very macho men out there who are not embracing and trying to step very massively into the sexual type to be a stud and to, you know, to really do it to his, his partner and all the things. But, but I like the idea of, you know, let's soften him a bit. Like let's explore some of the other, the energetic and the sensual and the kinky, like just open him, open up those horizons just a little bit. Because we call it the sexual, we call it wearing a sexual mask. It's what men think they're supposed to be. And so they put on the mask of it when really underneath, when we get into their body and again, being so somatic sexologist, once we get inside someone's body, I start to see, no, that's not true. And if anybody's seen the Netflix show, Sex, Love and Goop, uh, not to give a spoiler, but you know, you'll see a good example of this. Love it. Okay. 
Oh, that's so good. Yeah. And for those who identify as women, the there is, it is more heavily weighted to energetic and sensual. And the caveat that Jaya is mentioning, often like they'll someone might have a judgment or a lack of understanding of what one of the, we haven't gotten to the kinky blueprint yet, but often what will happen when working with clients or getting them into the practices that we offer up in the course is they start to play with the body telling them what's true. And all of a sudden they realize, oh, mm, maybe I am a little kinky. <laughs> and we'll bust the myths around kinky as well when we get to it. But it's the thing of uh, sometimes it's the limited ideas of what we have about eroticism from social conditioning, programming, what's actually available in terms of sex education in the world where people don't even, they don't, they'll do the quiz and they don't really even know what we're talking about mm -hmm. in some of the questions. So right. how are you going to actually know, oh, is that a turn on? I don't, I'm not, it doesn't even, it doesn't even relate. But we have a lot of energetic, which I think is also really interesting for those people who identify as women because um, energetic just is something that's so foreign and so unknown, but we do see a, like, it's almost tied with sen like sensual. sensual. Mm -hmm. I think they're pretty much tied. And so there's this whole subset of like, I don't understand what you want, woman. Well, like, no, don't touch you, you know, <laughs> like, what, <laughs> what? Um, of really right. understanding that blueprint. Cause I think it is the one that I think we're least educated in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I mean, I would imagine it would be ideal for both people in the partnership to educate themselves with these these um blueprint this blueprint because like you just said you know one one person might be embracing their energetic and and being and understanding it and being okay with it but then if their partner isn't really on board with all of that and doesn't see the importance in validating her energetic side, then there's going to be, there's going to be a bit of a clash. So how would you get a partner to open up to something new? If they're happy with wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Mm -hmm. And, and she wants to explore more sensual or energetic, then how do you, how do you get your partner to open up to something that they don't know is broken? This what, is the million dollar question. Yeah, we get it all the time. One of the things you are pointing to is one of the shadows of the sexual, which is they often miss the journey. And they think that everybody else is broken because they fit into the standard norm of our definition of sex. So like, well, something must be wrong with my partner. They don't want to be touched. Or, you or know, they need all this complex lighting in all the right places and they need the bed made and the dishes done. Why do you done. need all that? We can just fuck on the bathroom floor. Who cares? And the bright lights can be on. It's all good with me. <laughs> And right. so we hear this a lot because the sexual blueprint shadow is I'm okay, but everybody else is something's wrong with them. Why do we need all this stuff there? And they miss this journey and they miss the expandedness of sexuality because they're in this teeny, teeny little definition of what sex actually is. So we often will get, and we pair with whatever we've disowned. So we, you know, we get a energetic with a sexual we get a sensual with a sexual, you know, who just like, it's just so interesting to watch. So we see this a lot. We get this question a lot. Mm -hmm. So how do we unravel it? Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> sometimes it's, sometimes it can be a few minutes of bringing up the revelation for the person of what they're missing. If they can get it, sometimes it's months and months and months of work. <laughs> and I think the first step, if I were to just give listeners like here, if you're in this situation, here's the first step. Mm. And the first step is to go, am I willing? Mm -hmm. 
What is my level of willingness to honor my partner and who they are instead of trying to change who they are? Because the moment you are trying to change, fix, or improve your partner, you're off. And so many of us, and I hear it all the time in my practice, people come to me and they're like, but he, but he, but he, but he, but she, but she, but she, but they, but they, you know, like it's always the other person. And I think it's really important for us to go onto our own sexual journey of, well, well, what is it about that that is triggering? What is it in myself that um, I have disowned, that I have judged in other people, that I judge in myself, my own erotic self? And how do we then break, break those things down to go, I'm not going to change. I did it with Ian. It was what changed our relationship drastically. I made a choice. It was, it was a new year's resolution of this year I'm going to be all in and I'm not going to try to change, fix or improve him. I'm only going to work on myself. Mm. And I did that for the year. It was in October. I couldn't wait until the new year to tell him, but it was in October. We were on this romantic. She kept it a secret from me that you made this <laughs> internal decision. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't tell him just to see what would happen. Like didn't want it in his brain. I didn't want, you know, I didn't want him to even notice right. that I was doing anything differently. And uh, we were on this pier in Jamaica a lightning storms out in the ocean and we're, you know, we're being uh, served sure. as a beautiful meal on a bed on a pier. And uh, I said, Hey, have you noticed anything different? And he was like, Oh my God. Yes. Like what, what has happened? And I told him that I had started this experiment and that experiment was I'm going to do my own inner work and stop trying to change, fix or improve him. And be a hundred percent in a hundred percent all into the relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Part of the way it's, out the door. When, when we, when we fix ourselves, it's like Wayne Dyer said, um, when you when you change the way you look at things, the things you're looking at change. Yes. So you're changing right. your own perspective. You're changing, you're kind of trying to fix yourself, I guess, or work on yourself. Mm-hmm. And then everything around you just kind of there's ripple effects and it just changes mm-hmm. everyone around you because you're showing up differently. Right. Yeah. So good and, for you. Um, so there's there's there's, there's, I, I so I'd, I'd say there's nothing but a hundred percent benefit to the individual going on that journey. And at the same time, you're not necessarily only inviting a bed of roses. Meaning if I'm going on my own solo journey and really stepping into who I am, what I need, what I want, what I desire, how I'm loving my partner, how I'm showing up for my partner and being of service to the relationship, that may be very disruptive to the relationship that you think you have. Mm. So it does become a mirror for the partner and you in certain realities and truths may become ever present where you might've been in denial. You may discover my partner truly is unwilling. They are unwilling to meet me. They are unwilling to step across that I actually have been in a really abusive situation mm. and now I have come to my own self-love to realize this isn't the right place for me. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes that journey leads us to not be in the relationship because the relationship wasn't a healthy place for us to be in in the first place. And on this journey of reclaiming our sexual power and becoming empowered, we become empowered enough to leave something that wasn't a, a positive situation in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. As long as it leads to empowerment, I think, and liberation, mm-hmm. we're we're in the business of of helping relationships, and but sometimes a good relationship just needs to like excellent A for effort. You learned a lot, 
And now you got to go separate ways. That's probably the most helpful, uh, healthy thing to do in some circumstances. So yeah. mm -hmm. glad you brought that up. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then with the sexual, so another aspect of the sexual shadow uh, often can be sexual shame. So especially again, for folks who identify as women, if you're a highly sexualized woman, <laughs> you've probably been <laughs> slut shamed. You've probably been made bad or wrong. I got a lot of, I was pregnant so many times in high school because from, she kissed kissing boy. boys. There were a lot of rumors. <laughs> oh I never really got pregnant. Well, I wasn't even having <laughs> intercourse. I wasn't even having intercourse, but you know. Right. Uh, so shame and that works as well in the, you know, folks who identify as male. Um, I really inherited a, my sexual in terms of our quiz comes out very low. You were zero. I was zero at one point. When, he fir when we quiz. first took it, he was zero. And I'm highest sexual, secondary, energetic by like 1% separation. So I'm mostly like sexual energetic. He's 0% sexual. Mm -hmm. right. And I'm trying to fix him. You know, like why, what's wrong with this guy? Guys are supposed to be sexual. They're supposed right. to, what we've seen from the quiz is that's not true. Right. And so, you know, guys are supposed to be sexual and he's, I'd come to bed naked or like strip tease or whatever and put her hand on my he, crotch while we're driving down the like, highway and doing that what, what's happening because <laughs> <laughs> i was like i was accosting him <laughs> right and so yeah. i would imagine jaya you're probably thinking okay what's so wrong with me guy, what's yeah. wrong with me because i put my hand on his his goods and he's pushing me away what the f you and, and more so because of the sexual shadow i'm thinking what's wrong with him like what guy is going to turn the sex expert right. who knows all the techniques and is hot and all the things he's obviously attracted to me you know like what what what's wrong with him right. <laughs> but that's sexual shadow and 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 for me the shadow aspect of that so my sexual has gone up in the charts because i've realized that i had one of the things i inherited was this good boy piece Mm. I had to suppress sexuality. It wasn't welcome. The people who I saw being sexual in were real, in real life, in movies, <laughs> they were assholes. They were dicks. My parents were di divorced. So my dad mm, had some, you know, slightly toxic masculine aspects to him. And uh, so, you know, anything that was that, I didn't want to be that. So it was several years into our relationship actually only about five or six years ago where I really, really, really realized the depth of the core of there is a shame aspect to my own sexual expression that suppressed the sexual type in me. And we have a whole thing with erotic, empowered erotic persona types where I was able to reclaim, uh, reclaim that part that I've abandoned about myself. So when I talked about we're really all of the blueprints, this was the piece that Ian cut off. He cut off the sexual. So any if you're looking at the quiz and you're saying like, oh my gosh, I'm only zero of something, then that's a piece of yourself that you've actually, the blueprints show us where we're limited. They show us where we've cut aspects of ourselves off. And this is exactly what he did with his sexual. So here I am craving his sexual because that's my highest. And he's caught in, no, no, that's part's not okay. That part's not okay. Are you sure that part's okay? Mm -hmm. And even though I'm a sexologist, even though, you know, this was my work, he had his inner work to do. There was nothing I could do to, other than, you know, create a safe space for him to do that work mm -hmm. um, right. that I could do to help him through that. Oh, what a journey. <laughs> oh, that's so, so like, this is so profound. 
to to come across that realization mm-hmm. um because it's really easy to say oh well this is just how i am right sure. right right and not really explore into the depths of okay so why is that mm-hmm. why is that and is that the most most healthy version of you Mm-hmm. and the most expansive version of you and are you only that because you've cut everything else off which is really limiting so congratulations so you, may not, you may not desire to be an artist like you don't want to paint paintings like rembrandt and whatever and that's that's an okay totally clear decision um but if you're in if you're in the world to be an artist of some kind and if, you know i'm just making a metaphor for the eroticism piece it's like the first step is you've got the backs of box of Crayola crayons and the piece of paper and you're drawing stick figures. <laughs> and you could be saying, oh, this is just the kind of artist I am and I'll always be this. I'll never learn to do anything more. Or you can then break out the acrylics and the watercolors and the different types of paper and the pens and get some mentorship mm-hmm. and some training and actually go to people who ha- have walked the path before you and can show you this this um the the infinite possibilities smorgasbord of infinite erotic possibilities that are available because sometimes another piece in this in dismantling this disconnection between couples is we often think we we think that the resistance is the truth of the partner and if you can get into curiosity empathy um and you you can often find out that it is simply fear I'm scared to death that I'm not going to do it right. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm supposed to know what I'm doing. So ego gets involved. Fear that you're going to do it wrong. You're going to fail. So being able to create, again, that safe space that Jaya was talking about to experiment, be vulnerable, not bring criticism, shame, blame, or judgment into the bedroom, but turn it into that playground, you know, that sandbox of like, oh, we're just experimenting. We're gathering information. Let's throw watercolors at each other. <laughs> oh, that turns me on. The red's on your nipple. Wow, my sexual gets turned off. It's edible. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's something people lose. They just lose the creativity. Like so serious, and we got to get this right. And it just and then it becomes no fun. Yeah, no fun. Right. True freedom. We, we shut down our ideas. Yes, exactly. And I think that just that that freedom, that playfulness is what's, you know, needed in a lot of bedrooms these days to get back to that place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we have fun. certain things that we do with with uh, inside of our course. We have something called sexy sex labs where you're turning it into a science experiment rather than like <laughs> you're you're what's it, my hypothesis <laughs> with this? What, what will my G spot do when you touch it that way? Yes. <laughs> So it's, it. it's kids playing as opposed to like an agenda. We're got to get to the orgasm. No, right. that's, you know, what's here in the interstitial spaces, those spaces between. Um, I do want to give a little primer on, because we keep talking about percentages and all that and the quiz and stuff like that. So we have the blueprint quiz. We have a free version, which is going to give you your blue, your primary blueprint type. When mm-hmm. you take the in-depth version, that's when you get what we call this pleasure profile. Jai and I are talking about the percentages of each that we are. When you take that in-depth quiz, that's when you get, oh, I'm, you know, 47% kinky, I'm 27% sexual, I'm, you know, blah, blah, all the way down. And that is a great tool. So another way to bridge sexual incompatibility is you do that quiz, you've both got your pleasure profiles, 
and you're looking and like Jaya and I, mm -hmm. she's top sexual. I'm lowest sexual. Zero. I'm top kinky and she's zero kinky. I'm zero kinky, which is the <laughs> next one we're going to talk about. So those, yeah. those are diametrically opposed, but somewhere mm -hmm. in between, she's got some sensual. She's got some energetic. I had 5% sensual <laughs> and he had 5% energetic. So I'm, I'm sexual energetic, zero kinky, 5% of sensual he is sensual kinky zero sexual five percent energetic we are completely flip-flopped right which is so interesting and again like people might see that and go oh my god we're doomed you're not doomed we you find the venn diagram <laughs> uh, yeah where those places right. intersect and then you get to play in that fuck yes territory mm -hmm. first and it may not be your primary for either but at least you're bridging the gap and starting to find the mutual areas of pleasure together. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. I love that. Ooh, so good. Okay, let's get to kinky. Oh. <laughs> this is good. You're very leaned like in on that. Um, because it, it's, it does feel so taboo to me. Hmm. Um, so I, I like exploring this. Yeah. Awesome. So kinky is, uh, we, we break this down sort of, a, I think it's a little bit of a myth bust which is kinky for us is whatever is taboo for you. So subjective. One, yeah. So the, you know, the, the typical idea of kink is black leather, dark chains, choking, and a lot of that. I think, it, I think people could go, go to like the extreme when they think of it. And that's part of it. I mean, BDSM of. and some of that play, there are a lot of really beautiful practices that we think of that are that more extreme. They're, they're intense. And yet, for some people, kinky is like, oh my gosh, we've had missionary position sex for 20 years. It's so taboo and naughty to have it outside of missionary position and do doggy style that that is also kinky. So it's it really is whatever the thing is that feels like it's naughty or taboo or like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. That is the kinky. Yeah. And they're psychological based, which is somebody who is more um, power dynamic. And so that might be mean, like I would have power over Ian in a, in a session and he would, I would boss him around. So one of the ways we found a bridge or a place in the Venn diagram was I own his genitals. That's a power dynamic. And so he has to do his genitals belong to me. And I, he has to do whatever I say with his genitals. And that would feed my sexual because I could say, get down on your knees and let me give you a blowjob tonight because I own you at any, you know, any time. And that fed his kinky because he, it's a power he had to do what I said. Mm -hmm. And we found that. So anytime we start to get in that like, like headbutt between the sexual and the kinky, we play this game for 24 hours and then it gets rid of the headbutt between the two of <laughs> those blueprints. Love it. So we have that bridge. Mm -hmm. So psychological is one of them and the physiological, which is often like the spanking, the constriction, the rope tie, the physical, the physical sensation based, based stuff. Mm -hmm. You can be both. Um, you can be a dominant submissive. You can be switch, meaning you, you, you love being a dominant. You love being submissive. I'm in that switch zone. I like both roles. Um, and kinkies are incredibly imaginative. If you are a well um, versed kinky, we are some of the best at sexual communication mm -hmm. and creativity, creativity, relationship communication, even outside of the bedroom, because we are big fans of making the implicit, the hidden things explicit. What do you mean by that? 
What are the boundaries of that? Right. What are the rules to that? How are we going to function in this container? So we set containers. And just like back to this sort of kids on a playground metaphor, there was an experiment done. Um, I think it was a Harvard University experiment, but I'm, I'm not sure on that. And they put a bunch of kids on an open playing field with no fence. And the kids all gathered together and huddled in the middle of the playground all together. Then they put those kids on playground with fences and the kids played everywhere. They were in the corners, up on the fence. They were in the middle. They were everywhere. So the fences gave the security and safety to be able to play in a very uh, defined container. Mm -hmm. And successful kink is like that. If you right. define your, your container really well, then you can play to the edges. You can be as adventurous. And then you know, oh, you've gone over that. You've broke the boundary. So kink is great, great, even if you're not kinky to play with these dynamics of scene setting and container. Mm -hmm. the, right. Yeah. Did you have opens something? up communication? Yeah. So mm -hmm. You could you could state your boundaries. And for a lot of people, it's like, what the hell are my boundaries? I don't right. even know. What is a boundary? So figure that out. Mm -hmm. You know, love it. And some of the back to the energetics, sometimes the energetics are so collapsed in their sexuality because they never have set a boundary. That's part of the shadow of the energetic mm -hmm. is if I say no, that's going to hurt the other person or it's unsafe for me to say you no know, somewhere in their system. Oftentimes there's some kind of trauma that has led them to feel like their no is unsafe. So they've continually overridden their body, which then creates a lot of armoring. Mm -hmm. Right. So, uh, the sh biggest shadow for kinky is the shame aspect. Why do I like right. I'm going to be bad girl. Well, why, why do I like this? What's wrong with me? This is, or if I reveal this to my partner, they're going to judge me. This is weird. Right. I'm wrong, broken because I'm turned on by X, Y, or Z. So six and a half years into our relationship was when I found out he was kinky, which is why, that's, you know. That's a, that's a, the, the fish gets a little bigger on that one. It's in? Yeah. You, this is six you, and a half? You, when you first knew me, I had handcuffs. I had my own sex. I, okay, I think he's saying I should have known by the sex you, toys you, and the handcuffs. What is what is true, what is true is you knew that there was some kink in there. You just didn't know how deep it I went. Did, yes, I didn't know how far your edges were by any means. So six and a half years is when I discovered how deep your kink went. Is that more accurate? That's more accurate. Okay, it, it took you writing a book on the topic and me you being your guinea pig yes. for you to discover just how. how kinky. I am. So here I was doing the striptease in the sexual blueprint. I was initiating sex with the G string on and the whole nine yards touching his genitals. Right. So I discovered he was kinky and went, Oh, maybe I'll just put some red rope on the bed. And then he was turned on. So I had to shift the way I initiated sex because I was initiating my own blueprint mm. for him. And then he was initiating a lot in the sensual at that time, he would come to bed and cuddle. And I'd be like, Oh God, you know, sexuals limited limited definition of sex i'd be like oh god he's cuddling again i guess we're just going to cuddle and fall asleep not getting the hint that the cuddling actually meant hey i'm here and he would he would always say can we just let it unfold and sexuals want certainty i want to know i'm going to have an orgasm i want to know i'm going to have the intercourse and the unfolding thing would just drive me nuts because uh, I didn't want to have it unfold. I wanted to I know, know you're gonna get the gonna, I was going to get the thing I wanted. Yeah. And so, yeah. <laughs> and people also ask often, does sexuality change over a lifetime? And this is a primary example. So Jaya is in a very different zone in terms of her erotic expression. And now she's saying to me for the last year Can and a half, who's not it unfold? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that's because of biochemistry? Yeah, like yeah. Maybe, part of it. You know, hormones <laughs> fluctuating, 
premenopausal, yeah. whatever, yeah. like. Yeah, I'm yep. perimenopausal. My hormones are all over the place and crazy. And I'm like, I never in my life thought I'd reach a place where I'd say, <laughs> can we just let it fall? Can we cuddle now? Can we can we get a hot tub instead? And environment <laughs> plays a role. So the hormones, of course, play a role. That's another part of the week. We'll just mention briefly with the erotic blueprints. We're talking a lot about the five blueprint types, but the erotic blueprint methodology has three uh, fundamental main pillars, main pillars. Mm -hmm. you have the erotic blueprint type you have the five states or stages of sexuality and you have the four obstacles or pathways to sexual health and pleasure and the four obstacles and pathways include things like what is your biohormonal health what's mm -hmm. your emotional health what's your physical health what's your bioenergetic health so those can be total blocks or those can be uh through fares for actual you know being resourced in your sexuality um, All right and then the other thing that can affect it is, well, the person you're with can affect your blueprint type, mm -hmm. your environment. So in our day-to-day -day life, I'm, I'm working, I'm doing things, I'm engaged with our son, I'm engaged in like things that create stress or take my focus. Inhibitors. Inhibitors. <laughs> and I need toggles to move from that space of cortisol and being engaged and a toggle would be a bath or it would be massage or it would be like making dinner and making sure that there's a bridge or a break between that, um, you know, thing that's consuming my, my, my mindscape. And then we go on vacation, we get out of our and regular, sexual comes my sexual comes way up. And that's because, you know, we all have inhibitors and things that excite us for sensuals. The inhibitors are a bit higher. You kind of have a handbrake on and another, and a, maybe your foot break on because there's a lot of inhibition. I'm talking about the dual control response model of sexuality for those people who haven't heard it of it, which is where our brain is always scanning for what is sexually relevant. And so people who are sensual, their inhibitors are higher than their exciters. And, and so some people have less inhibitors because they, um, that's just how they're wired. Like a sexual is going to have less inhibitors. Right. And, and so those things are like that Ian's talking about all of the inhibitors have anything to do that's not in a like relaxed environment. So as soon as there's a stressor and that's 80% of people, a stressor is going to be an inhibitor, but for 20% of us, I'm one of those, a stressor is an exciter. I get stressed and I want to have more sex. And so, you know, depending upon, again, this is about your sexual wiring, how are you wired for inhibition or excitation? And when we have too much excitation and not enough inhibition, that's where we get sexual compulsion. And when we have too much inhibition and not enough exciters, and also I'll say you can't, if you have so much inhibition, no matter how many exciters you put on, the car's still not going anywhere because you put all the accelerator on, right? You're not going to go anywhere if the brake's on. So, you know, a lot of it, for those of us who have a lot of inhibitors, it's about how do we lower those inhibitors? So we go on vacation and now there's no more inhibitor and his sexual now can come up. His arousal can now come up. Yeah. Right. And less yeah. than 10% of people are walking around in the sexually aroused state at any given moment of their day. So this whole thing that people rely on, on spontaneity, I just wanted to be spontaneous. That's almost an assured recipe for the end of your sexual relationship <laughs> to, to rely on spontaneity. Yeah. It doesn't, that's not where we live. It does in the early stages of the relationship because the limerence is up, the hormones are flying the, you know, all those excite signals are there. It's new, it's fresh. Um, so one way is like, how are you being 
How are you recreating your, your relationship? How are you being inventive to, to recreate innovate. Your, innovate in your relationship every day? Or, right. Yeah. Being consciously aware of that process of, of um, adding variety. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That spontaneous thing. You're right. You, you got to give some thought to it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. You have to make the opportunity for spontane spontaneity to arise. Right, right, exactly. And like oh. Esther Perel, what's her quote about um, your uh, foreplay begins at the end, end of, of your the previous, your orgasm. previous orgasm? Right. So continue <laughs> that it is an orgasmic, erotic experience. And how are you weaving that into your everyday life? Right. Amen. <laughs> so good. Okay, yep. so let's, we, we still haven't gotten to number five yet. Let's do this. Yes, let's do it. <laughs> Shape shifter. So the shapeshifter loves it all, wants it all, wants it all the time, wants more. The shapeshifter is three hours into an erotic experience. Their lover is about to collapse on the floor. <laughs> and the shapeshifter is going like, what's happening? We just getting started. <laughs> the party just began. Uh, um, shapeshifters are wildly creative. They're like the um, the Bugatti sports car to stick with the car driving metaphor. They just have all of the, you know, all the cylinders ready to fire creativity. They become masterful lovers because they can meet the needs of any blueprint type. They they love it all. They want to play in it all. So they've probably played with most of it. They've had experience with Tantra and kink and, mm -hmm. you know, romance and, and overt sexual acts and play parties and whatever. So voracious appetite. And Especially if they're a sexual shapeshifter, that's the biggest appetite of all of them sexually. So, you know, if you have a lot of high sexual along with the shapeshifter, it's going to be just like, go, 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 eat, eat, eat. Yes. <laughs> um, and then the a shadow of the shapeshifter is often being told you're too much, you're too big. So shapeshifters have shut down their expression, shut down their voracious appetite and another shadow for the shapeshifter is often they end up starving in their sexual relationships right. because they're so good at shapeshifting that they, they're playing their, their lover's central blueprint all the time, but their central lover doesn't have the capacity, the knowledge, the know-how to meet them in their kinky, energetic, mm -hmm. and sexual. So they, they, they're just starving. Mm. Oh, Yeah. My heart hurts a little bit when I think of a shapeshifter because they're good at doing everything and experimenting mm -hmm. with everything. But then if they're with a partner who is not a shapeshifter, then it would be hard for them to be satisfied, I would mm -hmm. imagine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And my theory is that we're all shapeshifters. As I talked about, we compartmentalize these parts of ourselves. So my theory is that we actually are all of these blueprints integrated. We're actually all that big. We actually all have that capacity. It's just throughout life and conditioning and programming, we've we've cut off these certain aspects of ourselves. And what we see oftentimes is when people go on the journey with the blueprints is that by the end of that journey, they're all shapeshifters. So you know, even Ian and I, as we've developed, because I've developed to, to find turn on and kinky, I've developed to find more turn on and I've actually become quite sensual, uh, especially the more I drop into my own femininity and some of those things, I find more sensuality in that and more yin and yes, like yang in the world and being a business owner and all of that has helped me like, like stepping away from being so much in the business has helped me soften into the sensual a lot. And, um, and so we've both expanded to become shapeshifters and yet I still will go to my default. 
Um, you know, like it's like, okay, I have, I can speak the language, but English is so much easier because, you know, I don't speak French and German and Spanish every day. Um, but it still is, I'm capable of speaking those languages mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when I need to. Right. Yeah. And there, there's muscle memory there, you know, that's just, I guess what you're used to. So of mm -hmm. course that'd be yeah. a default. Oh, yeah. that's so good. I love that. It, it it's like an evolution that the more you find out about all and you explore all of these different blueprints, then um, you just, you can tap into each one to varying degrees and just have a more enriching, expansive sex life and relationship in general. Mm -hmm. I love mm -hmm. that. It's it seems like a, a ceiling, a ceiling that doesn't really exist. Just there is no ceiling. No <laughs> yeah, just sky's yeah. limit kind of thing. How far do you want to go down the rabbit hole? Is the yes, <laughs> love it, love it. I'm all for going down that rabbit hole. You both are revolutionizing relationships and sexuality. Thank you for being the bright lights in the world that you are. Thank I you. Just, I have personally. Um, benefited from your work and i know that all of my listeners you you guys just have to go go check them out so where can people take your the the erotic blueprint quiz and get into your world where, so where the, the website for the quiz is the blueprint breakthrough.com the blueprint breakthrough.com you can also find it at the at erotic blueprint.com so if you look up erotic blueprints, very likely we're going to be the first one that comes up. There's also a website, which is the main site, missjaya.com, www.missjaya or jayalove.com. We have a lot of websites. We have a lot of the websites, but they all lead to the same two different places, the main website and the quiz. And then um, Jaya just completed the only existing book on the erotic blueprints, which is your blueprint for pleasure. Love yeah. it. Thank you Yay. for sharing. And I'll link all these up in the show show notes for you all. So um, you'll have links to, to explore their world because it's just an amazing world. Thank you. We've <laughs> only just touched. I had so many more questions, but we didn't even get to them. There's just so much to this rabbit hole and it's all delicious. <laughs> <laughs> it's a delicious rabbit hole. <laughs> yes. Thank you both so much for being on the show today. Thank, Thank you, you so for having, much for having us. us and for having the conversation and all the work that you do in the world. Yes. It's just so much beautiful to have an ally. Thank you. We're all, we all have the same outcome, just unconditional love unconditional mm -hmm. love. and world peace. And world, and world peace. peace. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Did you know that nine out of 10 women don't feel confident touching their man's privates with their hands? I believe being confident in the bedroom means unlearning everything that we've been taught our entire lives about what it really means to have a great sex life and a happy relationship, which is why I created an online video training called Drive Him Wild. I want to show you how to become the confident woman that you were meant to be so you can have a passionate and playful connection with your guy. And the best part is this training is yours absolutely free. To dive in, just go to rockthebedroom.com and we can get started right now.